Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> in the top eight, then you're going to hop around, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of it. <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican there, food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. I am one of your co-hosts this week, Patrick. I am joined by uh, Adrian. What's up, man? Oh, just hanging out, ghetto lake, fucking hot dog water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no Jerry yet. He's doing God knows what, so we'll hopefully we'll hop on in a few. But uh, so, how was your weekend, man? What'd you do? Oh God, what did I do? I know I went down. Oh man, I went to the Brazilian Steakhouse with John Carmen. Yeah. Oh, how was that? And, and his buddy Jeremy. Uh, I kept trying to get people to go eat. You know, I know like, you kept I, trying to get me to go eat. <laughs> yeah, I kept, I kept trying to get you to invite your wife up to come eat. <laughs> it's not as easy when you have two young kids, man. Two bring young kids do not steaks. do well at a Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you bring the boys. Um, no, it was, uh, what the hell did I do? Oh, yeah, oh, so I got you cards from uh, Renee and Trevor. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, thank you, Renee and Trevor. You got some more comments for the drive, which is awesome. And then I got a an extensive amount of cards from Ian, and I think his buddy. I think his buddy's name was Dan. Oh, uh, nice! I didn't know about that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. There's like, um, off the top of my head, probably another eight boxes of commons. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> like eight booster boxes. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, he gave me quite an extensive amount of comments. So, awesome. uh, yeah, we, I, I, so I got, I got to meet up with you again, which is cool. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I went down, I went down seeing if I could find some merfolk pieces, and um, and you want, uh, what did I get any? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> I know you got at least a daze. I know you got at I, least one of those. I, I did get a daze. Uh, <laughs> I was actually. I'm still waiting to see, you know, what happens when modern season phases out a little bit, because the prices yeah. on the Merfolk card seems kind of silly. I mean, not like, like they got to be an influence of modern. Oh, I think so. I mean, it's definitely doing well. That list is doing well in modern right now, so. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and I always like Merfolk. Anyway, so I went down there looking for some Merfolk pieces. I was surprised to see Master of the Pearl Tridents at 8. I was really surprised somebody was pointing out Cavern of Souls was almost the same price as Wasteland. Um, yeah, they're they're up there right now. Yeah, I'm not actually even sure what Wasteland is at, but Cavern of Souls was pretty high. And then uh, I went trying to look out some merfolk pieces, and I started to, at one point towards the end, I started to walk around the room. Because, you know, the thing with these events, right, you got the guys doing drafts, guys doing win a box, and then, like, they'll open the box, take the rares, or, you know, leave their draft deck that they didn't want. They just took the rares, they left the commons. Mm-hmm. So I walk around and start cleaning up the tables and like just collecting up the commons. Sure, yeah. And and at one point, you know, Jerry had picked up a couple of modern masters packs. Well, he picked up one. I kept telling him like they, you know, they had a one of the one of the retailers had a uh, a box of modern masters, ten dollars a pack. Mm-hmm. If you if you open a comet storm, you get a free pack. This <laughs> comet storm is worth garbage, I guess. Right? Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. So 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 he's like, you know, if you if you open a comet storm, you get a free pack. I'm like, look at that, Jerry. Ten bucks, you know, and like Jerry's like scratch tickets with the fucking modern masters. Yeah, it's the same way I am, yeah. So he like, 
so he he kind of I coaxed him into it a little bit. He kind of picks one up, and I think I forget what he opened, but it was uh, nothing he was happy with. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, oh, it must have been the next pack, you know. And then he he kind of reached for a pack. I'm like, no, that's not that one. One you want? You want this one? <laughs> and like, uh, and then he picks it up. I'm like, no, no, maybe you didn't want the other. He's one. just straight trolling him. <laughs> yeah, he's just fucking with him. And then he opened up a Mox Opal. So then he, no, he was happy. He was happy with it. And then, uh, you know, John Kerman grabbed a few packs of Avacyn Restored, and they were going to do some pack wars, and Kerman's like, oh, you want to do rip it or flip it? You know, like, <laughs> shit. I'm like, but, uh, so they were going to start doing some pack wars with Avacyn Restored, and, uh, and, and I just wanted to see him open Grizzlebrand. Like, I just wanted to see a nice, fresh pack. Fresh Did they end up playing? They did a little bit of pack wars. He actually ended up opening up a Cavernousals. Oh, nice. That's, that's yeah. value right there. So then I'm walking around picking up the commons and I found all Kerman's Avacyn restored commons. I'm like, dude, I just picked all these up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you left them on the table over there. They could be useful. <laughs> so, I mean, by the time I was done, I had like, I don't even know, uh, six inches of commons in my hands anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, that's always, and that's always cute. So, so what else? Then there was some guys. There was, uh, I got to, so I got to see a lot of guys. I, I was kind of sad I didn't get to see Kyle. Um, yeah, I was hoping, I was hoping to run into him down there. I wanted to see if he wanted to go get something to eat. Plus, and, and I knew Kyle had some merfolk pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than like pick them up off SCG, you know, Kyle's like kind of offered him in the past, like, he, he's not playing merfolk and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, instead of like, instead of picking them up off SCG, I'd rather buy them off Kyle. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, so he's got some pieces for me to take a look at and see if, uh, see if we work something out so they can get some more Merfolk pieces. But I didn't get to see Kyle down there. Who else did we see? We got to see Ian. So I I congratulated him on, on his recent wedding. Did you get to meet, uh, Peter? Yeah. Yeah, he hit us up on the Facebook group. He was down there. Um, he wanted to play some games, but Jerry and I never got a chance to, to jam any games with him, but he was really, really nice. Really cool to meet him. Him and his buddy were down there, and they got to say hi, so that was fun. I was talking with Ian, and this guy walked by, and and I don't. I was talking to Kyle about it because uh, I don't see how like, you know, there's a little comic image, and unless like I got a picture of me on Facebook, but mm-hmm. like, not on Twitter. Oh no, maybe there is on Twitter too. So sometimes like I get surprised if somebody recognizes me somehow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so yeah, Peter walked by, and I was talking with Ian, and he just kind of he's like, "I'm sorry to interrupt. I just got to tell you, I love the podcast." You oh, know, that's awesome. That's you, awesome. You, well, yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and I'm like, "Wait, that's not even like an appropriate response to that." Like, <laughs> like so I kind of had to like, you know, suck it up, like humble a little bit, and go yeah. and just tell him, you know, thank you, I I appreciate that because I do, you know, and like I like to try to do something that I like to try to be part of something that helps people's Mondays go by a little faster. Yeah, that, that, it was definitely my, it was my first event since, uh, first like large event since joining the cast and like, it was cool to meet people who listen to the podcast who I haven't got a chance to interact with like on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and mm-hmm. it's just very cool to see people who appreciate what you and Jerry and myself, you know, what we are able to put together every week and um, that they're getting some enjoyment out of it. It's just pretty rewarding for me. Yeah, and then it's, it's some cool people, you know, like, uh, so when Peter came over, he had his, uh, God, his buddy just joined the Facebook group too, and now I can't remember his name. Um, but he came over with his friend, and his friend was actually, I recognized from the last SCG event. Adam, right? 
Yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and I, I was playing his friend Adam when he was playing elves at the last SCG event. Yeah. And they both, and like, they came down from Maine, and they came down with this guy Chris Ditson. And Chris Ditson made it into the top eight, but Chris Ditson I played against in the past too. Like, I had the most awkward, and, and he's cool, like Chris is cool, he, he this is, I don't even, I don't even know if I told you the story, Um but like, I was playing Tinfins at one of the SCG events, Mm-hmm. And I cast a brainstorm, and it resolves. So I look at the top three cards, and I'm like, "Yep, those are freaking useless." And I put them back on top of the deck, and I start shuffling. Yep. And I'm playing against Chris Ditz, and he looks at me, he's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm resolving it like a ponder." <laughs> so it was like the biggest fucking bonehead. Like the rest of the, I forget what was in my hand, but all I know was the top of the deck wasn't going to help me in any way, and like Emrakul was one of the cards in it, and I just started shuffling the deck, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, <laughs> and like I looked down and realized it was Brainstorm, and like, oh, we, we called the judge over, and like, you know, me and Chris were talking just in general, while we're waiting for the judge to come over. Mm-hmm. Like, we both knew, I just, it wasn't anything intentional, I just made a bone. Yeah, of course, error. yeah. And, um, you know, and then I ran into him at one of the next events, because now, you know, I recognize him because that's, oh, yeah, that's the guy that I fucking was an idiot against. <laughs> um, and Chris is really cool. He came down from Maine, and I got a couple of friends up in Maine, so I was always trying to figure out if, like, if they were near each other playing and stuff. But, um, you know, the next time I ended up running into Chris, we were doing a little bit of trading before the event because I, I think he needed a Liliana for the deck he was playing. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of been putting together miracles and playing miracles since. And apparently to a success where he went into top eight in first place, like for a seed for uh, top eight at the SCG. So, That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to Chris. So yeah, I did. I did get the chance to meet Peter to answer the original question. <laughs> um, yeah, he was looking nice, man. He was a good guy. Yeah, he was wicked cool. God, who else? I mean, got to see a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, I saw everyone who basically everyone who I knew at TE. Uh, yeah. Saw, saw Kate there. Saw obviously Curtis was there. So yeah, so got to see Aaron. Got to watch him play. Uh, that was cool. I got to watch Ian play in Infect. Um, which I, I was, I was, I was hoping he'd, uh, he actually, he did really well too. Um, and then him and his friend had to figure out how to, how to end the day out. Um, you know, the, the, the guys from Maine, uh, Kerman was there. I, I kinda, you know, people, of course, you, you make your own decisions. I know it looks like, uh, Kerman was looking at trading his death and taxes deck away mm-hmm. and getting towards, uh, like a bug deck? Yep. And I'm, I love Shardless Bug. But I don't know if I could, like, trade a whole entire deck away. It gives me, like, second, something it's, else to play. You just, sold, you just sold all your legacy collection. <laughs> right, What's right. What's the difference? What's the difference? Uh, well, why did I do it? <laughs> sure. Okay. Just, you know, he just probably wants to switch it up. I mean, he was... He was talking well, about it, but. Yeah, and I was talking to him, like, you know, you might want to keep your, your, your deck, like, you want a Caracas with that deck? Like, you know, you got, like, Richard on Port is a hard, I mean, that's an expensive card now. Is it still 120? What is Rashad on Port? Uh, it, yeah, it's up there. I'm not 100% sure. And, uh, joining the call today, we got, uh, Mr. Jerry V. What y'all talking about? Sorry, we, we're we're talking talking about Richard Port. Yeah, Richard Port and a little bit of the uh, the IQ we went to in Worcester this weekend. Nice. What IQ? 
<laughs> there was no IQ. <laughs> yeah, you had you had a rough you had a rough go, right? I had some good Chinese food. <laughs> did you go did you did you go O2 drop? Uh excuse me, I went one two drop. Please. Okay. <laughs> one two drop and you were doing what, Bob's uh, Bug Delver deck? No, Grixis Delver. Um Okay, but it was was it Bob's list? Uh it was close. It was like seventy of Bob seventy five. Um, yep, I made the mistake of just going way too hard the night before and just being absolutely destroyed the day of the event. <laughs> not not that I'm making excuses, but I did have to scoop so I could go throw up after round three. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yep, is- I played three rounds. Round one, I lost to Omnisha, which was real close in game three. Um, I, I was so annoyed... Because he had an Emmercool in play, and I had enough young Pyromancer tokens and Delver in order to kill him on the crackback, and I had exactly six lands. So <laughs> I, I have Xaxes. I'm on 16 life, six lands, and then exact damage on the board to kill him on the crackback. Um, he has one card in hand. He swings in with Emmercool. I don't block because I need all my creatures in order to kill him on the crackback. I sack my six lands, he puts me on one life. The last card in his hand is a Brainstorm. He brainstorms, draws his three cards, puts two back, and then casts Release the Ants for one. Did he Cutting Wish for it, or was it in his deck? it was just in his deck. That's fucked up. So, he brainstormed into the one card that wins him the game. So, it was a pretty funny way to end round uh, game three of round one. But, started off on the back foot. Round two, I versed my buddy Dan Holland, <laughs> playing uh, Lomepox, and I beat him because I boarded in all my surgical extractions, and I just wasted him off green, uh, all his bayous and surgical extracting them, so he couldn't cast Life in the Loam or Choke or any of his hate cards. Nice. And then round three, I was just not feeling good, and I played against a Death and Taxes player. And I definitely made some real bad moves because I needed to get out of there real quick. <laughs> um, so thus ended my IQ. I summed it up in about five minutes. Oh. So lesson, kids, don't oh. go partying the night before a Star City event. All right. So, yeah, so, Jerry, you didn't have a very hot tournament. I actually uh, I did much better than I have in the past, so I was happy with Sunday, actually. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. yeah so and- you went, what, foreign? Or five and four? Five I went. And three? I went four. I was four two going into the last round, uh, going up against a Lance deck. Ended up dropping that. Um, so I ended up going four and three, and then I just dropped to go home and uh, have dinner with the kids. But four and three for me was like I was very happy about that. Um, I played so round one. I played against Miracles. I was on the draw the first game. Um, I got in with the beatdown pretty early. He bricked on his on a few lands, and so I I, I got the first game there. Um, I. When we sideboarded, I brought in two Blood Moon, uh, Pithing Needle, and I took out two Days and a Fork Bolt. Um, but in retrospect, I kind of was talking to him afterwards, and the Blood Moon was just bad, and it should have been just the three Red Blast. Yeah, um, against Miracles, they just have way yeah. too many basics. Yep, exactly. Yeah, which I hadn't really thought of. I was just sort of excited to play with Blood Moon. This is, this is the first event I got to play with the, with the part of my sideboard. So, um, Game two, he, uh, he just had all the answers for my stuff, and... Um, when he resolved the countertop lock, I just sort of scooped to him just to go to the third game because I know there's not much I can do at that point. Um, and then in the third game, uh, I had like three Delver and a Swift Spear out, 
and um, he had all the, well, three Delver and the Swifts were my opener, but he had every single piece of removal, um, and once he got the lock, I was looking at like two days in my hand, so I just scooped to him, but he was really nice. Um, after the games, he like helped me with some of my sideboard options, which ended up paying off later in the day, so it was a pretty good learning experience there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, round two, I played uh, this guy Juan. He was like <laughs> he was like nine minutes and forty seconds late, so he got oh, the. Oh like, yeah, game I was loss. sitting next to you during that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he got like the game loss, but he didn't get the match loss, which is like whatever. Like I'm there to play, so I'm I wasn't you know upset about it, but um, he was running like you know punishing fire loam. So I'm I'm thinking it was just like was it like punishing Jun? Is that what I mean? He had like Liliana and. Was it red, black, uh, green? Red, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because he had Liliana, he had Punishing Fire, he had Life from the Loam. Mm-hmm. Um, like so and... I didn't see any thought seizes. Um, that does I mean, it doesn't mean he didn't have them, but yeah. I did. I I did lose to him the game. I guess game two technically I lost to him on the draw. Um, he was able to cycle Punishing Fire too often for me to because he had Grove of the Birdwells going, mm-hmm. so he was able to cycle that card too much for me to to deal with it. Yeah, that would be um, really rough for your deck because pretty much every creature you have dies to Punishing Fire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and are are so, you running Wasteland? I am not. No, this list, I'll, I'll, I can go over the list um, afterwards, but yeah, there's no Wasteland in this in this list. Um, yeah, that's real so, rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. So game three, I'm on the play. Um, I brought in the two Blood Moons, uh, two uh, Graft Digger's Cage, uh, two smash to smithereens, and I took out the four forces and the two fork bolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took out the forces because I felt like I don't want to two for one myself against him, especially because he's running cards like Liliana to rip my hand apart. Um, so I need all of my resources in my hand. And I took the fork bolts out because I didn't see many creatures from him, and I don't really want to run a, a one a one mana two damage spell. Um, so I got off to yeah, I got off to a slow start in the game, but I had a really great play like mid game when I when I drew smash to smithereens. And he was on, like, two lands and a mox. And, yeah, and so I was able to smash the mox, and then, well, I attacked him with Swiss Spear, dealt a damage to Liliana, and then I was able to smash the mox in second main and redirect the three damage to Liliana to get her off the board. Um, and uh, so, and then I was able to finish him off creatures from there because he was kind of off his mana. Um, so that was a nice that was a nice win for me. Um, round three, I played against Miracles, this guy, Cherry, who was on Miracles. Um, so I actually ended up facing against Miracles three times that day. Which isn't surprising, like, it's the Northeast, it's a lot of control. Um, game one, I multi five, um, I was on the play, I had a good opener, but he terminus my three Swiss Spears and a young Pyromancer and tokens, and, uh, it, it was just, I just couldn't get, get there after that. Um, game two, I brought in the Smash of Smithereens again, the Pithing Needle and the three Red Blasts, and took out the Force of Wills and the Pork Bolts again. Um, I think that the smashes were a mistake, and I talked to him afterwards, and he said the same thing. Just because, like, the only thing I'm looking to smash, really, is the Dividing Top, and he's able to put it on top of his deck, basically, almost at any point, so yeah. kind of like a non-bow for me, which is sort of a... It definitely cost me um, cost me a lot in that game. It should have just been a Null Rod, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I at least would have a Pithy Needle and a Null Rod. Um, yeah, uh, Null Rod's great against them. Yeah, yeah. It was, I uh, guess it was a close uh, against the Miracles. Oh really? Uh, yeah, I mean, if if I can stop him from doing like the the null rod thing, <coughs> I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, the top thing, I feel like it helps me out because if I can get if I can get there in the early game, he can't force himself to like miracle terminus. Um, it helps my deck out a lot. I, yeah, I think I think turning down top is, is big. Yeah, I guess 
Uh, also the odd, like, engineered explosives, because sometimes they'll board those in against the low-curve, like, Delver decks. Yep. Um, so that's just nice, too, because sometimes if you have a Pything Needle, they board in engineered explosives for the Pything Needle, but if you have the Null Rod, too, that just extra shuts them down. Yeah, you're a big fan of Needle, right, Jeffrey? I am. I think Needle's better overall against the rest of the field, but in that particular matchup, Null Ride can definitely have its uses. Yeah. I have I have one of each in the side, so I have like, yeah. a little bit of versatility. Um, the, the the second game was was really close. I got him down to three, um, but he ended up having like the Vanillion Click Loop with Caracas, so he was basically just stopping you know anything on top of my deck or in my hand rather. He could just send it to the bottom. So he kind of pricked me there. Um, I just couldn't race him. Uh, by the time I was able to land True Name, he just had uh, Click hitting me at each turn, and he just beat me. He got there before I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that was you know just a good learning experience to be playing against a Miracles player and sort of seeing what's up with them and learn you know just learning my sideboard a little bit better. That's what like I feel like this was my biggest level up was my sideboarding throughout the day because I feel like it just kept getting stronger and stronger and um, just. Sitting down with Celso last week and talking about uh, sideboard tech and just and just sort of like the broad, like I said, the broad strokes of it um, was a big help. Um, round four. So I actually want to ask you guys about this deck because I had never seen it before. I was playing against this um, this woman named Mary, and she was playing like an Elish Norn Loyal Retainers Maverick deck. Yeah, you guys, that's old. Is that like? The, yeah. So is that like the? Is that the name of it, or like it doesn't go by anything else? Wait, what? Uh, yeah, I mean it's Maverick, and then it's yep. like. Using the loyal retainers combo, yeah, like, that was big a year and a half, two years ago. But it, I mean, Maverick in general fell off, fell off the face of the earth. So that yeah. kind of dragged it with it. But okay, I, the biggest thing is loyal retainers were pretty expensive for a while. Um, so you know, a lot of people would play Maverick as a kind of a budgety deck, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people didn't want to spend the money on loyal retainers. But yeah, it just came out as a promo a little while ago too. But yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting deck. Yeah, it was it was cool to play against. I played against uh, a Maverick deck once before, so I knew a little bit about what they were trying to do. Um, so I wasn't feeling super great going into this game just because I was already one and two, and I knew that like another loss was just going to drop me out of out of contention for prizes. Um, so I wasn't feeling super great about that, but I figured I'd play it out anyway. Um, I went uh, game one. I was I got there pretty easily. She couldn't handle like the Delver beats, and because she was trying to cast her spells on time, I was able to like use uh, a lot of daisies in my hand just to set her back um, to, to basically bounce all her or you know counter all her spells. Yeah. Also, uh, real real quick, just to read it off because I know uh, John Kerman always yells at me because we talk about cards without reading them. So. Oh sure. <laughs> real quick, loyal retainers is two colorless and a white for a one one. And it's Sacrifice Loyal Retainers, return target legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your turn before attackers are declared. So it's a Maverick deck, so it's green-white beatdown, so green-white hate bears. And then it runs Loyal Retainers to get an Elish Norn from the graveyard onto the battlefield and just pumping all the hate bears into 4-4s and 5-5s. Yeah. So yeah, and and when Elish Norn hits the field, it basically wipes my whole board too. Yeah, your entire it's, board is <laughs> one toughness. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, uh, so game two, I brought in the two Blood Moons. Um, I brought in the two Cages just so she couldn't get back Elish Norn. I think that works with that that interaction, right? Mm-hmm. And then I took out the Force Wills again, just like I feel like today or this this uh, this tournament, I took out Force Wills pretty often when I wasn't playing against a deck that was 
um, going to combo off really quickly. Right. Just because I feel like, in general, like when I'm obviously like Force of Wills is going to be a two for one against you. Yep. Um, and I just feel like there are decks where I can afford that and decks where I can't. And so I was trying to do, I guess, like be a little bit more risky and outside of my comfort zone and, and taking the forces out. And it, it certainly paid off. Um, I was able to stop her from cheating in Elish Norn, uh, that game. And I think she actually had played a choke and I was able to play through the choke because I was able to, to run enough basics in my deck. Um, and knowing that she was going to bring a choke, I was able to fetch basics uh, before she was able to land it. So um, that went pretty well. Uh, she was really nice. Um, I, told she was, the, I told her to call the judge on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I was following was, Pat around all day and telling his opponent to call the judge on him. <laughs> she was, yeah, she. Cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I actually only only screwed up my interactions once on Sunday, so <laughs> I was pretty happy with that. I was pretty happy. I was actually what happened was I played a Delver and I, we were just going through stuff so fast that I went to throw a Pyromancer token on the board. On the board, and he's like, "Oh, that's only for instance and sorceries." And I'm like, "Yep, you're right. It is." Um, and but, I was uh, there to see that and tell him yeah. that. Don't worry, he does this all the time. He's a dirty <laughs> cheat. You should have seen the time he tried to play a Chain Lightning as an instant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine during combat. <laughs> um, yeah, the game was the games were interesting. Um, it was a deck that. I had never played before, certainly with the Elish Norn portion of it. Um, and uh, there was a few times where, like, just paying attention to what was going on uh, worked a lot in my favor. Like, at one point, she untapped one of my attacking creatures for no reason, really. She, I was so impressed thought. with you at that, because I thought you were going to miss it and I was going to have to call a judge over, but you caught that, and I was so... Yeah. I was a proud little papa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all grown up, Dad. I'm all grown up. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So, so she thought it would it would prevent damage, and I had explained to her that that didn't work that way, and then there was another part where she tried to cast Gaddic Teague for, like, two green when it needs a green and a white, um, which I caught, too. So, I mean, I, I don't... I certainly don't think that they were purposeful mistakes, um, but yeah, like I felt like that was a few of the ones that I caught that day that were certainly benefited me. Right, she thought, so she had a Scrib Ranger, which is Return of Forest, untapped target creature. Yep, exactly. And Maverick runs that because it's just, you know, useful to untap your own creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thought it worked like Mazabeth, where if you yeah. untap an attacker, uh, it, it removes it from combat. But yeah. all she really does is return a land and give you your blocker back. Yeah, so yeah, basically gave me like my like a, a pseudo vigilance on my spear. It was just weird. It was weird because I attacked him with a one two, knowing all she had was a one one to block, and I figured she would just trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she ended up just untapping untapping my guy and taking the damage, which was unusual. Um, I actually asked her to call a judge multiple times because uh, I don't want her. I didn't. I feel like there are not a lot of women who play magic to begin with. And I don't want to be considered that guy who's like mansplaining to women like about the game because I don't. That's you know, you guys know how often I fuck up, and I'm not the person to to, to be the authority on like on rulings like that. But she was really nice about it. She's like, no, she's like, I believe you. She's like, that's the way the cards read. So um, overall, it was fine. Um, and then round fi- round five, I was playing Reanimator. Game one, he crushed me with Grizzlebrand. I think actually Adrian walked this this round. Um, uh, the only play I had to get rid of Grizzlebrand was to basically, like, my only out with basically in that game was to a Suicide with spear, Hobie blocks, and then post-combat I was going to bolt and then chain lightning Grizzlebrand. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he force-of-willed one, yeah, so, I mean, it was literally my only out. Like, there's nothing I could do about that, so. But he force-of-willed one of those, so I just scooped to him and we went into game two. But, uh, game two, I sided in my two Graft Diggers Cage and my two Blood Moons, and I took out a Fork Bolt, I took out a Daze, and I took out a Force-of-Will. Um, uh, I was so I was able to keep an opener with Blood Moon, 
And so I was just focusing on dazing his reanimates and force willing his animate deads and things like that. Um, and then I was able to probe before combat, saw he had no permission, and uh, I landed Blood Moon, so he scooped at 18 life. <laughs> and uh, game three uh, it was basically the exact same thing. I had a hard time getting to the third land, but when I did, I got another Blood Moon behind a probe on, on like turn four or five, and um, I finished him off with like a Delver Swing and Triple Bolt in hand. He was very, very salty because I think that probably knocked him out because I think that was his, his second or third loss of the day, and he was pretty he was pretty mad. Yeah, it gets pretty awkward later on in the day when you start knocking people out. When yeah, you... exactly, exactly. Which I mean, whatever. Like it is what it is. Like he was he was he was bitching and moaning about Blood Moon, and I'm, but you know I'm not talking. Oh, it, but... Hear that, Celso? Hear that? <laughs> Blood Moon MVP. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually it was great. Um, so, yeah, around six, I played Miracles again. Um, game one, I got there with Pyros and Cantrips. Uh, game two, I brought in the Red Blasts, uh, the Null Rod, the Pithy Needle, and then I took out the Fork Bolts and the Force of Wills. Um, I got him to four game two. He got the Counter Lock. Um, so I scooped to him then. And then game three, I got the Beats going pretty quickly. Uh, we flipped Delvers, Young Pyromancer, and Burns. Um, I fought really hard over Counterbalance that game, which I think was, like, super important. Like, early in the game, like, turn three, he tries to, to land counterbalance, and, like, I, like, go to daze it, and he forces back, and then I daze it again or whatever. I was able to get that off the board. Um, so by this time, I'm, like, four and two, feeling pretty good. Like, if I win out the last two rounds, I could actually prize. Um, and then I faced uh, Caleb, who was on lands in round seven. Um, I think he actually plays at TE. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he was really nice. Um I did ask him to scoop to me, <laughs> just 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 to you know just see what he say. He said no, so I was like, "That's fine." I I, I appreciate the challenge. So, um, were you were you like his mom going into top eight? <laughs> Basically, yeah. So he did dream crush me out of the tournament because he uh, he I lost pretty handily game one. Um, I got him to five on the draw, but I just couldn't get through. Um, and then game two, I brought in the pithy needle and the blood moon, and I, I landed the pithy needle early, naming Mazavith. But I learned pretty quickly that, like, when he's able to waste out my lands and recur them, like, Wasteland is better to name with a, with, with a Pithy Needle. Um, so I, I think that, like, in a game against something like lands, um, when I can be a little bit more reactionary as far as what they have, like, you know, if they put down, you know, they try to land, like, you know, uh, Dark Depths, like I, could, like, I could name Dark Depths or something. Well, I mean, you got a Vapor Snag for that anyway. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I ended up losing to that. Um, I did, I think he had ended up landing Glacial Chasm, and I, I think he was like, oh, do you know what this does? And I looked at it, and um, I didn't, I scooped to him then. I don't remember exactly what the board state was, um, but I think I probably should have just kept playing on and seeing what happened. Yeah, you um, scooped to him even though you didn't know what it did? Well, I mean, I saw that it was going to reduce all damage to him to zero. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, it was, it was a good tournament. Like, overall, I was really happy with going four and three. Um, it's like my best, it's certainly my best showing playing Legacy. Um, I felt much better sideboarding, even though I screwed up, like, my first Miracles, um, sideboard matchup. Um, I think I had, like, much fewer misplays than normal. I didn't miss any Delver flips. I only missed one, uh, Pyromancer token, so that was good. A Vapor Snag, I, I never even sided it in. Um, so I think I might want to put another two cards there. I'm not sure. Uh, but Blood Moon was fucking awesome, honestly. Like, I, I actually borrowed the two Blood Moons from Curtis that day, and I immediately traded him, like, half my binder just to mm -hmm. keep him. 
because I didn't want to give him away. Uh, I didn't want to give him back. He was he was very happy to give it to me. He was like he was ecstatic for me. He he saw how excited I was. So, um, so I think like what I want to do is stick with blue red for a while. I almost wanted to run Grixis that day, but I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't just because I know blue red a lot better. Um, I know the matchups better, and I feel like knowing my outs is super important in Legacy. I did like true name in the list. I did play one true name when I took out the um, took out one of the dick through time, so. That worked out really well. So, Other than that, yeah, that was my that was my Sunday. It was a uh, it was a good one. Well, it, it's pretty perfect that uh, Curtis let you borrow those blood boons because it presents the perfect segue opportunity. We have a special guest joining us, and his name is Curtis. Hello, Hi, Curtis. Do we have contact? Hello, it's me. <laughs> Hello, Curtis. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm a very powerful wizard. I've been carrying around a pin with me. Uh, that's very good. These are all good things. <laughs> You're a very powerful wizard, it's true. A fifth place wizard, but a very powerful wizard. Yeah, um, the finals, I was destined to match against one of, uh, Brad Burke's innumerable minions, piloting miracle uh, miracles through the world, um, and I don't hold it against him, but he is a bad man. And he, I said, "Says the guy playing Enchantress." <laughs> yo, you wanna you wanna measure the evils of someone playing a green white Enchantress deck against miracles? I am straight up going to say that I am less of a dabbler. <laughs> I mean, like I can't I can't hate like uh, miracles, as Brad once said, is is like a beautiful, perfect engine, and I can't help but feel jealous jealousy of that. But uh, but yeah, it did straight up crush me in in the finals, and I felt very sad. <laughs> Well, you had a very impressive showing. I was quite impressed to check the top eight standings and see your name listed there in lights. Uh, really, really awesome uh, showing you did there. Thank you. Um, I really, I, I wrote a tournament report uh, about it. It's on uh, the website hipstersofthecoast.com. Um, uh, I, I usually write for that website about the like the lore of magic cards and the way it relates to history because I'm a huge nerd and. When I was doing my uh, history master's degree, I wrote it on a lot of the history that was in the cons of Tarkir block. But I wrote a tournament report for this most recent thing, and I, I talked a lot about getting lucky. I think I got a lot, a lot of luck with my um, my matchups. Excellent. Well, there was plenty of skill because I got to watch a couple of your games, like I enjoy watching almost every weekend. And you pilot <laughs> Enchantress with uh, quite quite some deafness to you. Uh, I love just sitting there like you were at one point we were playing and you were like two matches down and I just hear play this trigger 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 yes <laughs> trigger 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 float five trigger trigger float float seven trigger trigger play <laughs> play land for turn trigger trigger and I'm just like okay he's he's had about like if he was playing on magic online he would have timed out about 30 minutes ago (laughs) and not because you play slow but because there's just so much going on you can't possibly click through all of it (laughs) yeah yeah you 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 you, i say ever since i lost to jim davis at um the star city open was uh worcester in like summer of like last year uh for miscalling a trigger i I had three triggers on board two enchanted triggers and then and uh Sigil of the Empty Throne trigger, which makes a 4-4 angel. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I'm like, I've got him locked out with solitary confinement. He's on burn. I'm on enchantress. Um, and I go, trigger, trigger, trigger. And I'm so used to those being draw triggers that I just draw three cards and get an immediate oh. game loss. Oh. 
out. Drawing extra cards. Yeah, at this point, I can like um, I I I can actually look up this this Star City. Uh, I didn't recognize him, but he wrote a tournament report about it, and he's like, yeah, round three, I I I, I nabbed a guy who drew additional cards on Enchantress. This is a terrible matchup, but I sure I'm lucky. He scrubbed out, and I, I commented on it. I was like. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, man. So I've gotten, I've gotten a lot better at, at keeping my eye on those things over time. Um, I, I tend to say trigger like a like a, like a a small arms manufacturer in, in any given tournament. Um, awesome showing at the tournament. And I actually have a quick little story because um, some people may know this, but I probably would not even be playing Legacy, or at least not to the extent that I do, if not for you, Curtis. Back in the days when we were in college together at uh, Clark University, I remember going over a mutual friend's house, and you were there playing Magic with some people, and I wander over, and I'm like, oh, I used to play this game. And then you're like, oh, really? Do you still have your cards? I'm like, yeah, here, let me show them to you. And I just show <laughs> you pages of, like, I had these, like, I got rid of most of my stuff, but I still have my rares, so I have still have these, like, these underground seas and these tropical islands. Can I do anything <laughs> with them? <laughs> and and you could have been a scumbag, and you could have said, no, they're worthless, just give them to me. <laughs> yeah, I collect bad cards. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to think on that. I, I actually remember the conversation. I remember, like, being like, wow, like, you've got more value in cardboard than I have. Uh, good on you. Um, <laughs> But I also remember a lot of, like, how the dynamics of trading changed once people had a ton of access to smartphones. Like, you know, like, when I was trading, when I got into school before everybody had a smartphone, I I remember it not being, like, I I don't remember at any point there really being a discussion about the social contract about, like, oh, it's not cool to, like, explain, like, you don't know the value of a card. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it was right around that time when smartphones used to become, you know, just started becoming affordable and people were able to look it up. I still remember when I first started, you know, carrying around a Scry magazine and looking yeah. at like, prices from three weeks ago and the, being the most <laughs> up-to-date information you could get. Yeah, like I'd, I'd, I'd like uh, I'd search for prices on home and, and come in with a sheet of prices that I'd written out. Um that I would like only look at in between trades and try to memorize stuff because I didn't want to pull it out mid-trade. Oh yeah, because there's this like weird awkwardness where it's like a faux pas to like reference prices. It's like yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like asking to to you know everyone pay for their own meal at the restaurant instead of just splitting it. It's <laughs> it's like one of these weird social dynamics. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was really some wild west days. So I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad that at no point the demon that compelled my trading in those days uh, 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 took over our interactions. Um, <laughs> I'm very glad that you went on to build any number of wonderful decks with your legacy collection. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, speaking of decks, um, you have a record of hating people. <laughs> uh, to run down your recent deck selections, uh, when we first started playing, I remember uh, you had just started building High Tide, because you hate tournament organizers. Yeah. Uh, then you built Enchantress, because you, I can only tell, hate yourself. <laughs> got it, got it. And then your most recent build that I understand you put on the shelf for a little while is you built Mono, Black's, Mono Black Pox, because you hate everyone. <laughs> 
yeah, that that is currently looking like a green black pox list uh, pending uh, two dark depths. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been speaking? I know uh, Dan Holland was talking to you because he's on uh, Lone Box, Green Black Box. Yeah, it's one of the first times where I've, I've acknowledged that I want to get any like uh, input from somebody else, but I think his deck is actually very good. Um, yeah, I think I mean, he and I, I think he and I have some fundamental disagreements um, about uh, kind of the packages of what tutors go with the deck because Lone Box can can entomb, it can Sensei's Divining Top, and it can um, crop rotate. And I am very heavily on the crop rotation plan, yeah. and he is on the Entomb plan. Yeah, if he's on Entomb, we'll also just dredge. I mean, once you yep. get enough dredgers between Dark Blast and Life from the Loam, you can just put your entire deck in your graveyard and make use of it from there. Yeah, I think I think that's a very valuable source of advantage, especially if you've got, like, one of Nether Spirit or other dredge targets, or, you know, obviously Life from the Loam is the best card in that deck. Right. But um, I think it... I think it's so slow and ultimately susceptible to a lot of graveyard hate that you do you can solve, but it's still very strong. That I I, I I still like crop rotation for the fact that it sidesteps the particular plan of hating your graveyard and goes directly for um for a, a powerhouse land, whether that's like the dark death combo or tabernacle or that's right stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I think, I think his deck is great. Um, and I, I, I admit to losing to it at the last bunch of duels in Rhode Island, um, when I was on Mono Black Box, and just getting, like, handled in two games, and being like, wow, ah, we're not at, wow, I'm not on fucking Life from the Loam? Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, in that matchup, it's like Mono Black Pox versus Green Black Pox. Like, no, no, man. Just don't, don't, him. don't, don't be the guy on Mono Black in that matchup. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, the reason why we had you on was to talk about your wonderful Enchantress deck. So, <laughs> how, how long have you been playing Enchantress? Let me think. Um, I want to say it's been like a year and a half to two years now. Um, on and off. Uh, with interruptions, depending on like my academic career. There was a period in time in which I... I couldn't play because I was writing my thesis and like I just didn't have time. But Enchantress was the deck that I was finishing at that time, so I don't know. Um, I think I think it was like a year and a half. Um, and I haven't, yeah, it's, it hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot, but it's it's gotten updates from the most recent sets and kind of tinkered around with some of the deck uh, slots. Jerry, you were one of the people I first played with it. Played with it in point of fact. Oh, really? Yeah, um, at, uh, at, on Sunday, uh, we were paired up round, uh, round one. You were on Bug, I was on Enchantress. I successfully put down the Enchantress lock and then forgot how to win the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, I, I mean it. I remember that match, yeah. I, I thought I, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, uh, for, for Patrick, who, who may not have seen the deck in this early iteration, I literally forgot that I had win conditions in the deck other than locking my opponent out with solitary confinement and waiting for him to die. <laughs> Um, so I was looping an Eternal Dragon. That, that's the punchline. That, yep. that, that, the punchline is that I was looping I Eternal about Dragon. That. I forgot about that. And then eventually, then eventually you're like, okay, I can't actually kill you with Death Threat activations. And I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta dig to a fucking sigil of the Empty Throne and kill you that way. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We've actually had quite the sparring match. I, I feel 
if it's not at 50%, it's very close 50%, you know, between... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. We've had, we've had like, good matchups where, where I've, like, yeah. the one that I scooped to you where we both made top four. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the, we also just have this gentleman's agreement going on where it's just like, eh, you scooped to me last time, so I'll scoop to you this time. <laughs> wait, 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 you say that like you've reciprocated it in any way. <laughs> I have scooped to you before. <laughs> no. Uh, now I have to pull up DCI Reporter and, and find these dates. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, do you want me to, like, talk about, like, deck choice yeah, or anything? Yeah, tell us, a lot of our listeners are wondering just, like, how, it's not a very common deck, and a lot of people sit down across from it and have no idea what's going on, so why don't you just kind of give us the, the rundown? So the really fast history of, like, uh, I, I think it, I think it, helps to talk a little bit about theory more than some of the individual deck yeah. uh, choices, so I'm going to go with it that way, and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the deck, the card choices themselves. The main reason that I was attracted to the deck is that I felt that um, engine combo decks, like High Tide, the deck that I had been playing at that point for probably two years, um, were falling in their ability to be powerful and being replaced by like the now very powerful Ant and Tez kind of storm engines. This was before Omniscience was printed, so before there was a natural heir to the kind of mono-blue combo deck of, of High Tide, um, and I was not really certain where I wanted to be going with um, with Legacy, but I, I did really like the kind of combo engine where your whole deck became a combo that you played onto the field. So, Curtis, do you, do you still have High Tide built? I do not. Um, I, I disassembled High Tide because almost all of my card stock was in the extremely non-liquid commodity of Candelabras of Taunus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So would you have to change those and they actually put Enchantress together or something? I, um, I, well, my, yes. Long story short, I, I had a brief moment in which I flirted with, like, a landstill list, um, and I figured what I would do is I would, I would turn the Candelabras into fetch lands and duels, and from there, trade into anything I needed. Okay. And that actually worked out fine, because Enchantress is a relatively inexpensive deck. Yeah, no, it's great. With its with its its fundamental pieces are pretty cheap. I'm actually gonna pull up. So keep telling. Is there is there is there a way that you would suggest? Uh, what what's Enchantress weak to? Oh, fast combo. It's it's it it is perennially weak to faster combos than it, and it is extremely weak to them to the point where um, uh, the Wiz that has a very heavy combo meta game, I'll just main deck ley lines of sanctity and sometimes just mulligan to them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and even those are like not a be all end all. For example, against Storm, um, there was a great Star City article that framed it this way: If against Storm, if you mulligan to Leyline of Sanctity and you don't have a means to protect it, what you've done is mulligan down one more card. Because when they storm off, they'll automatically get rid of it. They'll find a way. Don't you worry about it. You know? Yeah, test can anyone with with Void Snare. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what you really need to do is, um, in games two and three against fast combo, which again, I stress is your weakness, um, you need to play a game where you're willing to get, you're willing to forego actually comboing in order to lay out hands that include multiple Trinispheres or Leyline plus Sterling Grove or, you know, enough resources that your opponent can't comfortably reach you until you assemble your own combo and kill them. And Sterling Grove is the enchantment that gives all your other enchantments. Is it Shroud or Hexproof? It gives all of your enchantments, except for itself, Shroud, and then a second copy will provide Shroud to the first. Yeah. And then it's also a tutor, because you can pay one and sack it to search for an enchantment. 
Which will then go to the top of your library, yeah. Right. Um, I also pulled up an estimate on the deck, and TCG Mid has it at $1,558. So not, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel cheap, but as far as legacy decks go, that's a pretty good deal. And that even that is pretty interesting to me. I, I would put my own deck somewhere in the 900 range, just looking at it. Like, like the big investments are fetches. You want one Savannah, but you don't really want much more than one Savannah because mm-hmm. you want to have basic forests to stick your wild growths and utopia sprawls to. Otherwise, wasteland blows you out. Right. Uh, this, um, this estimate is actually based on your list. Um, so oh. Cool little oh. thing now that you are a ranked player, Curtis, is you can go to <laughs> MTG Top 8 Decks. You can find your deck, uh, and it actually gives you a price chart of the entire deck and lets you know what everything, how much everything costs and you know totals and everything. Well, what do you know? So, um, I'll also put that in the chat for you to take a look at. But uh, a couple of the cards have spiked recently. Sarah Sanctum has gone up with... Uh, People finally realizing that it's a land that makes mana based on enchantments right after an enchantment-themed block came out. <laughs> so yeah. that boosted the price a little bit. Yeah, and Leighton Tudors. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so just fast combo decks. So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to return actually all the way back. I was, I was talking about uh, high tide, um, talking about engine combos, and mm-hmm. Enchantress to me seemed to be a really cool evolution of the engine combo where it could engine out its combo spread over multiple terms, turns mm-hmm. with really high mana efficiency and be more or less resilient or completely immune to discard or counter spells depending on its play sequencing. Um, one of the things that really excited me about that is the fact that, like, whereas in blue combo or black-blue combo, you know, like High Tide or Ant or Tez, you're relying on really powerful cantrips, um... In this, you're relying upon dropping an engine piece, and then Wild Growth has net, like, zero or net negative one cost if you're dropping it on an untapped land or on an untapped land with a Sarah Sanctum capable of being played. And that's just something that, like, High Tide could never do. High Tide needed to constantly be counting how much mana do I have before I need to activate a Candelabra? How much mana do I have before I need to activate a Time Spiral? How can I do that around days and a uh, uh, Cluster Storm, you know? Um... And Enchantress could just say things like, I don't care, I'll produce one zillion mana. Um, <laughs> it does produce absurd amounts of mana. Yeah, like, like it took me a long time to be converted to the school of running Emrakul Caracas, but, like, once I did, that, that that's just as much a win out of nowhere as the Helm of Obedience combo. Sometimes you can just, like, look at your top deck, be holding a Sarah Sanctum in hand, find Emrakul, and be like, okay, cool, make 15 spaghetti. <laughs> 15 spaghettis that's a lot of spaghetti that is, it's a dangerous amount of carbohydrates <laughs> so speaking of win conditions how does the deck win What are because there's a couple different ways to win in the deck um, so the ways I presently have as win conditions <laughs> okay let's start with the ways I actually won on Sunday because I think that's a far more entertaining list so right now I have two major win conditions, one of which is uh, the Helm of Obedience Rest in Peace combo. Uh, should I explain that one, or is that fine? Uh, I feel that's, well, for those who don't know, Rest in Peace exiles the graveyard, Helm of Obedience puts cards into the graveyard until it, re- it hits a creature. Since none of the cards go to the graveyard, it just exiles your, enti- your opponent's entire deck. 
Yeah. Oh, however, I've also seen Curtis play the helm to another efficiency. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so here we come to win condition. Um, if that's win condition one, then this is win condition one A, which is <laughs> to forego the rest in peace entirely and activate helm of obedience, targeting your opponent simply to get a creature. In my long and stupid career, this has included a 2020 Night of the Reliquary, <laughs> a Muddex and Rakul, a Grizzle Brand to block my opponent's Iona on Sunday, <laughs> and my personal favorite against Doomsday, his only copy of Laboratory Maniac. <laughs> That one, that one was a spicy one, let me tell you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay, so sh- shenanigans on that one aside, the other way you win is you you um you produce a ton of mana through Sarasanctum, Wild Growth, um, and Exploration, and, and you play and record with um with Caracas, which allows you to bounce a legend. Since you're casting it legitimately, you get that extra turn on the stack. And then you can keep looping it to your hand during your extra turns to take infinite turns and swing infinite times with Emrakul should you so desire. Seven times. Seven times is the right number. <laughs> seven, seven times is the right amount of spaghetti to make. Um, <laughs> seven fifteen. So, math. <laughs> One hundred and five. Yes, that that many spaghettis. <laughs> so I, I have a question for you, Curtis. Um, you and I have had some very interesting games running Delver against uh, Enchantress. Um, what draws you to this deck? Like, what do you find um, to be playing it for a year and a half? You must find some some serious joy in it because your opponents don't. So, what what do you <laughs> what, do you, what do you find so um, so interesting about playing this deck? It is a unique combo deck with unique strengths and unique weaknesses. But I think the thing that I will admit that the reason that I play it is that I find so many of the cards individually beautiful. Um, I played Magic when I was very little, uh, when I was like eight years old, which is now, you know, like 17 years ago. Um, and these, like, Wild Growth and Utopia Spell, well, Wild Growth specifically, and, and, and White Enchantments as well, were some of the first cards that I really enjoyed playing with. Um, and the old borders, the old art, the, the kind of lore and connection to the old storyline that I you know, like, was while hammy and kind of not super well-written, was what I enjoyed when I was little. That's something that I really relish in the deck. But in addition, I think the thing that really keeps me playing the deck is I, I really like prison archetypes, and I really like controlling combo decks like that, because they they allow for me to do what I do best, which is build the deck, and correct for what I feel is still my weakness, which is uh, tight play under stress. Um... So, you know, I, I really think of myself as a better deck designer and deck builder than I think of myself as a player, and I think Enchantress is a deck that rewards innovative and careful deck design and, and knowledge of the deck, um, and, and then secondarily asks for good play, but since you're all sorcery speed, there's only so tricky you can get. Mm-hmm. So, I got another question, Curtis. If you look in the chat, I just put a link in there. Yeah, <laughs> I do this every set. Some crazy enchantment comes up. Yeah, I text Curtis. I'm like, Curtis, does this go in Enchantress? <laughs> it's always no, isn't it? It's usually no. <laughs> well, so now it's my turn, Curtis. Does this go in Enchantress? <laughs> okay. So we're we're talking about Quarantine Field, right? So it's XX yes. White White. 
uh, for an enchantment. Quarantine field enters the battlefield with X isolation counters on it. When quarantine field enters the battlefield, for each isolation counter on it, exile up to one target, non-land permanent, and opponent controls until quarantine field leaves the battlefield. Okay, so my feelings on this is that uh, that I would kill anyone to turn one of those X's into another white mana symbol. Uh, I, I, I would, I would do it gleefully and with some regret, <laughs> but I, I would kill someone. Um, this is so close to being like, ah, uh, it's so good. It, it, when I woke up this morning, I really did think it was X, white, 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 um, and I was very excited. And the more I think about it today, the more I actually think it's pretty bad. Um, uh, the, its advantages, I, I, I always play one Banishing Light main deck for whatever stupid shit I have to face, um, and Quarantine Field seems like a fine replacement for that, because the additional mana cost is not all that bad in the circumstances where I would need to really get rid of a single thing and maybe need to get rid of multiple things, but um, you could also cycle it for two white if you just don't have any real targets, which is totally real sometimes. Um, right. I, I feel you? like you're just not... Like it's really for just getting rid of multiple threats, which more often than not is multiple creatures. But you just have so many other better answers for your opponent's creatures than this. Yeah, like elephant grass. Ever, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or solitary confinement. I mean, like solitary yeah. confinement is the all end all. Or, yeah. or more to the point, if I'm really going to invest in a in a mana intensive solution for specifically all creatures on the board, it's either going to be at four mana humility or five mana sphere of safety, both of which are like. The top of the line. Stop playing this game with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you would just use this to get rid of their like onboard hate, like their uh, uh, ensnaring bridge, or right, you know, right, so, right. And which you is, just don't is, need that. Just a regular Oblivion Ring would do. Right, and and here's the other tricky thing. Oblivion Ring has a very real sideboard importance right now as something to put in off of fucking show and tell. Of right. Apologies. Um, so, you know, the ability, the, the fact that this thing doesn't trigger when put into the battlefield off of show-and-tell makes it weaker in a corner case that is becoming more and more prevalent, and is, okay. again, one of the deck's already established weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as another question in the chat, have you ever heard of this card? Yes, uh, it's a very bad card, and I hate everyone who's ever played it personally. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just my playset. <laughs> I have a big gap in my memory um, <laughs> regarding Presence of the Master and you personally, Adrian. Um, uh, I can only presume is a good thing. I can only presume that we had a good time and that this card is never good. For, the, for those who don't know, Presence of the Master is three colors <laughs> and a white. Whenever a player plays an enchantment spell... Counter it, because <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Why not, wizards? <laughs> Just, that's whew, that's a good whew, that's a spicy ball. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like if you have that in your sideboard, it is because you hate Curtis and you want him to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a personal grudge. If yeah. You have that in your sideboard. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the best part about playing Enchantress. You will warp better games. People <laughs> out like fucking junk will show up with reverent silence, and you'll be like, hey, <laughs> I get to eat trash today. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so you want to you run down how, I mean, obviously you did very well on Sunday. Do you want to run down some of your matchups, like how you felt about them? No, 
Yeah, sure. So, um, I'll just I'll just do the fast break. Round one, in fact, that's a very bad matchup. Very nice guy on it, and I nearly got him because you can crack a fetch land to get a blocker at the last second for Dryad Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the judge ruled in my favor. He he like went to shortcut it. He was like, oh, you know, like swing and invigorate my dude, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go block that. <laughs> um, but sadly, I had no other action and died. Uh, round two, I faced off against Reanimator, which, depending on your build of Enchantress, you can be, like, pretty good against or really bad against, um, because you don't tax their life total at all, but you do run Rest in Peace. Um, and you also, again, as I was alluding to before, you run Hell of Obedience, which sometimes, at instant speed, provides you with a Grizzlebrand. Um, <laughs> which, the more I think about it now in hindsight, I could have just beaten him by allowing him to swing in with Iona, Getting his Grizzlebrand, beating him to death with his Grizzlebrand. <laughs> it, it would it would have been two swings away. I just refused to kill him with Grizzlebrand for some reason. <laughs> anyway, game game two was even better though. I had to kill him with Argothian Enchantresses with humility. <laughs> wait, oh, okay. <laughs> like how was wait? This this zero ones naturally, right? They become one ones with humility. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to better. figure out how you were attacking. <laughs> My favorite like, part is he he plays an animate dead on a Grizzlebrand. And I'm like, okay, oh. that's a zero one. It dies through Enchantress. <laughs> uh. And then, then, I, then I make Emrakul the biggest one one on the earth, so I can kill him with extra turns with three Argothian Enchantresses. That's amazing. <laughs> oh man! At least I'm yeah. gonna reanimate, pay eight life, get a one one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the deep darkness <laughs> that, that that happened against me in GP New Jersey, and that's that's what you want to do. Um, round three, round six, and round seven, respectively, I was up against lands. And I think lands is a really strong matchup for Enchantress. I think, I think, I mean, like, like, good, like really good lands pilots, like my opponents during the, the tournament, will, like, steal a win because they can make a really big monster occasionally. But Elephant Grass is, is dumb. It reads on its first line of text, uh, black creatures cannot attack you. And that, that's all. That's all. <laughs> There you go, you can't attack me with your big merit token, it's black. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had many a Grizzlebrand held back by Elephant Grass. Uh, <laughs> a German token. Just the black claws is just stupid. <laughs> it, it really, it's like, it's like so, it, it makes salt so fast, and yeah. so, it, and so limitlessly, um, that I, I, I love it, I love that card. Um, <laughs> So I got him in two with the helm combo. Round four, I faced four color Delver. Um, and it's really, and I, I don't know a whole lot about that archetype because I, I, I keep playing people who say they are on a four color list of Delver and each time it looks different to me. Sometimes it's Pyromancers, sometimes it's, um, uh, uh, Death Rites and Abrupt Decays, and sometimes it's Dazes and Counter Magic. And in this last one, it was Dazes and Counter Magic, which I I, I, I kind of predicted and played around correctly, just by, by like holding back, by putting down as many wild groups as possible, and uh, getting out of Counter Magic range before I started putting down the engine pieces, which are pretty vulnerable to Counter Magic. Right. Yeah. Be playing against Enchantress, holding up Dazes and Spell Pierces just feel real bad because they get useless so quick. Yeah, but but they're very good on turn two. Like that's the, that's right. one of the funny things against about sideboarding against Enchantress 
there's this limited window in which your your um, taxing counter magic is really strong, and then it becomes absolute trash garbage. Um, so yeah, I, I tried to play as as carefully around those as possible. Then uh, then what did I have round five? Round five, what did I have? I'm trying to remember. Oh my god! Uh, a local player. He he plays at um. He plays at Frexian Games every once in a while. Sometimes I see him at Thatsy. I, I think I see him at Thatsy more often than not. He's on Omnitel. He has like a really, he's a foiled out mana base. And he was, he was five minutes late to the table. He was using the restroom. Um, and that, I was just like. Curtis going, Judge! Yeah, man. Because uh, I was just like, look, he was, he was legit five minutes late. Like, I like waited a minute. I, I actually like wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, okay, well, uh, now there's a judge who's standing here, and I'm like, hey, dude, uh, this guy's gone. Sorry. Um, and then he he crushes me with a turn two combo, game two, and then game three, um, he misses a blue source, despite keeping a, a really nice hand. Um, and I have, like, an incredibly fast helm hand uh, with a with a Trinisphere in hand if he puts in um, show and tell. So I, I get him on that one. Nice. And I just, I just, like... I was just like sitting across the table with him afterwards. I was just like, yo, dude, like, you're cool. We cool. I'm not going to get knifed later. I, <laughs> you're not going to meet me in the parking garage. And it was more just like, I actually respect the guy, and I like felt bad. Like, I didn't feel bad for calling the judge. I just felt bad that, like, I knew I knew he was not happy, and it, it's never an experience I enjoyed. But, you know, like, the guy's a cool guy. He's going to beat me again someday. Um, the other thing yeah. I saw that was actually interesting was you were playing against a guy I knew from Ice Imports, I think. And, uh, like, you had, you had landed Sterling Grove protecting rest in peace, landed Helm of Obedience, went to activate, and then he went to K-Grip, and it was too late. Yes, that was uh, against, uh, Louis Gen- uh, Gentile, Gentile, I don't know how one pronounces his last name, and, was, uh, was yeah. that, was that, was that your winning in? No, that was significantly before my winning in, that was round okay. six. And the land. Is there actually even a time where K grip would work in that instance? Because you can just hold priority, right? Before Sterling Grove resolves. Oh, because you casted Sterling Grove after you've cast Helm. No, no, I I think I actually sequenced it right. I think I put down Sterling Grove, Rest in Peace, Helm in that order. Okay, so then yeah, there isn't any actual opportunity for it to work. There was, there was, I I, I played played around the possibility of K grip because it was his only meaningful form of interaction. And he had two in his hand. Oh. <laughs> he, did, he did have two in his hand. That that is uh that is a piece of knowledge that I now know. <laughs> <laughs> no, if only he, he needed six mana, then he could have K gripped the Sterling Grove and then K gripped the uh Rest in Beast. Well that's the thing, but he only had three up plus one other land. He only had four available. Uh-huh. Like it was uh it, it was just like Yeah, it was uh painful to watch. Yeah, but it, it did take it did take twenty minutes to get there, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, <laughs> he he played super well. I had to play carefully against him, um, and that was that was good. That was good. Those were good mm-hmm. games. Nice. Okay. Uh, then uh, what was my winning in? My winning in was against another local player. Uh, I think Sean Calvo uh, was his name. Um, he plays Grixis, Grixis Delver. Um, he he plays a lot at uh, the Tuesday place. Um, uh, gaming, etc. Gaming, etc. Yeah. Um, I really like him. I really wish I didn't have to play it out. I really wanted to like make the top eight with him, uh, but I, I I didn't see my my infect opponent from round one around. I didn't know whether he dropped, so I, I just I had to play him and I got him in two with 
uh, uh, Obedience and Emrakul, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. Like, I, you know, like, you feel bad when you're dream crushing a friend. But... That's the thing with, with SCG Worcester, though. Like, I would sit down at a table and I knew half the people at the table. Yeah, like, we were just insane. having the most rambunctious time that people who didn't know us were getting kind of annoyed. <laughs> but that's just the thing with SCG Worcester. It's all local players, and if you are if you play regularly, you will know most people there. Yeah. It was yeah. insane. Like, I sat down at a, at a game, and, like, Kermit was on my right, and Jerry was, like, adjacent from me. And yeah, we, like... <laughs> we were flanking you. It was, like, yeah. you in the middle, Kermit on one side, me on the other side. Yeah. Caleb was diagonally from me. There was, it, like... Was like, it felt like it was, like, a team-limited GP. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that 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 was that was pretty awesome. So so what about top eight? Uh, I uh, so I paired up. Uh, what, what what happens? We get named top eight. Um, it's me, a bunch of other people. That the the guy uh, I know his name Jeremiah. Jeremiah, another local player. He's on twelve post. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go to the split. Jeremiah's like, we are we're not gonna split. Um, so we played out, and I immediately match up against miracles. At this point, I'm I'm pretty beat. I don't think I made too many mistakes. Hold on, sounds like in the background. <laughs> okay, so um, at this point, I, I I'm pretty beat. I don't know whether I made any mistakes in this particular one. Game one, he just did not have lands for the uh, turn two and turn three, and by the time he did have lands, I had like three enchantresses. Um, game. Two, I, I kept and maintained a hand and board state that I actually really liked. I think the, the, the I think the, the key against Miracles is to just constantly grab as many copies of Argothian Enchantress or Enchantress's Presence as you can and just keep piling them onto the board. Even though you might be in risk of milling yourself out, they're going to counter or kill a large number of them, and you just need to play to that critical mass. Um... And I got the critical mass, and then he just made, like, five angels. And I was like, oh, oh, crap, oh, crap, I gotta solve those. And he counters my one spell that would have been relevant, and then I die. And I was like, oh, curious. And then game three, I, I mulligan, I, I mulligan the game two as well. Um, I mulligan game three, and he counters two relevant spells, and the game is functionally over. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I always feel like I'm gonna be favored against miracles, and then I hear Brad Burke's mocking laughter in the background, and it's all over. <laughs> Uh, it is some mocking laughter. Wait, so I'm sorry, I I maybe got lost here. So you, so did you win a match in top eight, or was there only one match in top eight? There was only one match for me in top eight. Oh, okay, um, it was the miracles. Okay, I was I was the second seed coming into top eight at seven and one, mm-hmm. and then I matched up against the seventh seed, uh, miracles, lost, and went to fifth. I, uh, looking at it on the, the thing, it looks like that Miracles player was Anderson, and he ended up fourth. Yep, so he lost in the next round to either the Pretty Sweet Esper build or Omni. Now, what was that little kid playing? Because it was a little kid playing against Chris Stitson. Um, I, I, I think that was, I think that, I think, was that, was that Evan? I think that was, I think that might have been Evan. Because it looked like it looked like I was watching a miracles mirror. Okay, yeah, it must have been Oliver. Oh, okay, okay. I was thinking it might be Evan. I'm not. I'm not certain. I know it wasn't Ken. I know it wasn't Jeremiah or. No, Rick. no, 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 no. It was. It was like a miracles mirror. Chris, like Chris Stitson came down from Maine and he was on miracles and right going into top eight, he was playing against a miracles match. So a miracles <laughs> mirror. I decided to go eat at the Brazilian steakhouse instead. Oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, la, 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 the Pampa or whatever. Yeah, Pampas. Oh my god, that place is so good. 
<laughs> yeah, see, Jerry went to Nancy Chang's. Tell him if he was right or wrong. Uh, I had also just like, vomited. No, no, I, did not, <laughs> I needed grassy Chinese to feel better. I also did not come onto the show to be asked impossible philosophical questions as <laughs> yeah. to whether I prefer Chinese takeout or Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah, all These you can eat very... Chinese food or all you can eat Brazilian steakhouse. That's a pretty tough toss-up, especially because uh, the butterfly, the butterfly shrimp at Nancy Chang's are to die for. Especially with vomit after breath. <laughs> yeah, food, all you want after you know relieving yourself of your your stomach contents is some greasy, <laughs> greasy romaine. Yo, I, I'm, a, I'm actually a hundred percent with Jerry on this one. Uh, all damage aside, I think Jerry has the right here. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Curtis, our listeners uh, have some questions they would like to ask you. Okay. Uh, so, first question is a good one. I'm glad this one came in first. Uh, how long is the line to have your babies? Uh, it's it's very long, and uh, I, I will attend to those needs immediately after this phone call. Um, have no fear, my adoring fans. Uh, uh, I will show the shirt, same, Mike. Curtis will get to you eventually. I will show the same deliberation and careful attention to detail that I do to trigger sequencing on any given upkeep of my enchantress. Attaboy, attaboy. Excellent. It's actually a two-parter. Part two is, and are you afraid that Emmercool will eat the babies <laughs> uh i i think it is it is best when thinking of a lord and savior spaghetti uh to fear at all times all possible outcomes <laughs> Excellent. um on a more serious note uh what is your opinion of words of war and i guess the whole of war cycle of enchantment uh, enchantments that enchantment the, the, word, the words of cycle yeah um I, Words of War was one of the first things I actually really liked in the Enchantress engine because it looked to me to be like a solution to the various different problems of the deck. You'd never draw out, you'll always have removal, you'll always be able to burn your opponent. I ultimately, uh, <laughs> I laughed about it actually. We, Anderson, my Miracles opponent, uh, asked me about it and I, I quoted uh, Sherman who gives this long-ass quote after the Civil War and says, you know, like, war is hell. And I said, ultimately... Sherman was referring not to the not to the march through uh, push to the sea through Georgia, but to the wind condition words of war, the which is hell for you, <laughs> which is hell for you and your opponent in equal measure. It's just it's very tricky. It requires you picking a third color, and it's really bad until your engine is going. And those, it, it's just like a lot of things going against it. I feel like I feel like words of war would be really good in a meta game where you're already incentivized to go red. I.e., if you're going um, Blood Moon. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, none of the other words of really appeal to me. Uh, words of Waste uh, is a discard, uh, which is in black and not super strong. Doesn't um, one put in bear tokens though? Isn't that a word yeah? Option? Yeah, it gives you a bear token, um, but for one, but for free, you could be getting an angel token. Yeah, it's just worse than Sigil of the Empty Throne. Um, you, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, words of Worship gives you five life. Uh, let's move right along. Yeah. <laughs> and Words of Wind is definitely part of an alternative build of green-blue Enchantress, which I I think is even wackier looking than my list, um, because it, like, requires Cloud of Fairies and various different effects to trigger the Words of Wind uh, draw so you can bounce something in a crew value. Um, it basically wins the same way that a Tidespout Tyrant deck wins, by bouncing all of your opponent's permanents and then nibbling them to death. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. That seems pretty awesome, but like also no. Yeah, I remember that's that was like one of the original decks, like uh, back when Onslaught was standard legal. There was a Legacy yeah. Enchantress deck based off of uh, Words of Winds because you know the the Enchantress part of Enchantresses is, is older than that. You know, our Gothian Enchantress. Um, uh, so it, that was an extended deck, and it was also like an, an old school OG legacy build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen lists for it every once in a while because straight up, if you're trying to build this deck and looking online for lists, you will get like lists that go back to 2010 presented without comment as if they're still relevant. And I'll be yeah, like, oh, it's just so thinly referenced that you search for it and it's like, you have 20 results spanning from the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> Put it into the SCG. Uh, I, I think the records was until my until my placing on Sunday. I don't remember when the last Enchantress placement was. I think it was early 2014. Wow. Bringing it back. Hopefully we get a whole new school of Enchantress players. Because Hopefully not. I, I hope my brood does not expand. But anyway, go on. Sorry. If anyone's wondering, you can build this deck on Magic Online for $282. And if anybody's wondering, Presidents of the Master is a quarter. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> next is... We have a request. So, typically, I would say Enchantress is a very good matchup mm-hmm. against the Delver decks. Um, just because you can shut them out really early, and unless they can get real early pressure, um, it's really hard for them to win. They just kind of stare at you as you do your thing. So we have a listener who would really like to know if he is the Bug Delver or Grixis Delver or XX Delver variant, what's the best way to attack your deck? Give us your secrets, Curtis. Give them. Um, those three questions actually really vary, and I hate to cop out on that answer. Um, <laughs> I think the best the best solution for any of those three is to present a turn one Delver. I think that that I think that that answer is absolutely fundamentally unequivocal in versions that don't have access to abrupt decay. Mm-hmm. So if you are um, a, a red blue X um, or or just red blue or uh, red uh, you know any red blue lists um then you're going to need to rely on putting out a delver and and killing me with burn in response to or before i can resolve one of the major lock pieces like sterling uh, like uh solitary confinement like that. so typically when i play against you i focus on countering your enchantresses so you're not able to get your dry engine going would you Good, say yeah. that's a mistake or you should save your counter magic for your defensive pieces or is that kind of the right approach I think I think getting rid of my um my uh, okay so I think getting rid of my combo pieces my engine pieces is always the right answer because almost none of my engine pieces almost none of my protection like the the prison pieces last forever without enchantresses um the cumulative upkeep on um elephant grass will eventually price itself out and solitary confinement forces me to skip my draw step and discard a card every turn meaning that I cannot sustain it indefinitely without two enchantresses. So that that means that if you're if you're taxing my ability to draw cards, you're probably going to win the game, um, and you can you can probably lock me out of those things. However, it is it it's a real it's really hard to know as like blue red Delver, let's say, where where you're like okay, so I have access to this days, and I did keep an aggressive hand, so I have like bolt price uh, a Delver. Um, 
I need to use this daze at some point, and if I as enchant and if Curtis as enchantress player goes enchantress, I'll counter it. But then if Curtis just goes, okay, you know, here's another enchantress, or here's an elephant grass to hold you off indefinitely, that's a problem. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's tricky for any of the Delver decks, um, but all of those Delver decks are still some of the best decks in the format, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. I, I don't think it's a cakewalk. Nice. Uh, good old Kyle. Kyle wants to know, why don't you sing more at Magic events? <laughs> why don't I what? Why don't you sing? Break out into song and dance. Oh, um, I, <laughs> I do that sometimes. I think people find it really annoying. Um, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have, like, kind of on and off ADHD. I, I actually do have ADHD. Um, I, it, it, you know, like a Memphis. I, I, I'm very excitable. I really do like, you know, like hanging out with people at magic tournaments, but I recognize that not everybody is there to listen to me make a bunch of sound. Oh, I was just gonna say, you seem like the most mellow person I've ever met. I never see you get excited about anything. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was a fun lie we told ourselves. <laughs> see, I set up a, a hat and I write tips on the end, and then I just give you requests. <laughs> Wait. Sing me some Les Mis. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I, I love Les Mis. Show tunes. Balduvian <laughs> um, Bears, uh, our buddy Celso, he would like to know, what's the craziest enchantment you tutored up for since you've been playing Enchantress? Any wacky one-ofs that you tried spicing up the deck with, whether they worked or not? Out of curiosity, uh, with that same similar path, Curtis, you ever play a Blood Moon in Enchantress? Yes, um, and that, that was actually the first answer that I came to my question. Uh, Adrian, I didn't like it, um, and I, I, I think it's because Enchantress isn't really like a traditional... It's nothing uh, else red. <laughs> well, less that. You you have a tremendous amount of potential mana fixing because of Utopia sure. Sprawl, and at that yeah. time period I was also running um, um, Abundant Growth from Innistrad, okay. or Addison Restored. Um, so I had a lot of access to mana fixing of various different stripes. But, um, but the thing that really made that hard was the fact that you didn't actually remove creatures with Blood Moon. Right. You, you, the, the threats that would still kill you, the thing, the strategy that I've already discussed as being the most effective against me is still the most effective, even after Blood Moon lands. So I'd be right. like, oh, Bug, I'm finally going to crush Bug every time I face it. I'm going to put down Blood Moon, and yes, they're going to say, oh, no, and then they're just going to kill me with a Delver. And there's already a goif, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the craziest enchantment you ever tooted up? Let's see. What, what were the oldest oldest versions of my list? Oh, uh, no, no. I tutored up a Utopia Sprawl to get mana before. That was good. Um, <laughs> but but I, I don't know. There's not too many exciting answers to this one. Um, yeah, because it's not really an exciting deck. Yeah, well, like, it just does like, a lot of stupid stuff over and over again. Um... I tutored up the third O-ring to loop O-rings. <laughs> <laughs> to get the draw? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> well, the, the draw only happens when you cast, right? Yeah! I, 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 you have to tutor it up, it goes to the top of your library, and then I cast it uh, on an O-ring, targeting an O-ring, because I'd been... So, rather, I had the other O-ring in hand, and I was just like, okay, I have just enough mana to do this if he doesn't have dazes. Um, and I set it up. This was... Uh, this was, uh, I think, Phyrexian Games a long time ago, and sure. um, and I just looped them to get to game three, because I had one game one, and game two was not going in my favor. Oh, all right, so you just you, you looped the three nut to draw, but just to stall the game into a draw. 
Just so I could restart the game and go to game. Right. Three. All right, all right. So not to draw cards, just to draw the game. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I I, I understand your question now. Yeah, you don't. I didn't have Eidolon of Blossoms in the deck. I don't think Eidolon of Blossoms had been printed at that time. Um, so I didn't have the Enters the Battlefield trigger. It's only cast trigger. And no, I didn't accrue any value out of it. I just, I just drew the game and moved on. <laughs> All right. Nice. So I guess in that case, they could just, like, unban World Gorger Dragon. Yeah, oh, it is a Okay. <laughs> I know, Jerry, and that was why. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next, next question, oh. also from Celso, is Celso wants to know how much he would have to pay you in order to run Words of Wilding in the deck and win a tournament with it. I think he might have stacks of word, Words of Wilding in his closet that he wants to spike. <laughs> um. Okay, so the card is, like, actively... Bad, but it's not the worst thing I've ever run. For example, this Sunday I run Rune Halo. Rune Halo did nothing. Um, so the advantage of being a, an enchantress pilot is sometimes you can be like, wow, what's this bad card doing here? Play it and draw three cards. <laughs> so, you know, I can see ways in which Words of Wilding could be a, a thing that I could play, and, and Celso, should you so desire, we can have a conversation about this that could only be thinly disguised as colluding. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, next is, did you run into Pernicious Deed at all during the tournament? No, and praise Sarah. That card, that card is, that card is another spicy meatball. You don't want to run into it. And this is, this is one of the traditional, like, this is actually one of the problems I have with Enchantress. I really do like the deck, but I think it struggles against, um, fast combo. But I think it also struggles against people who are just very prepared for it. Pernicious Deed, Reverent Silence, um, you know, any number of those, like, really good hoser cards really do hose you. Um, Ugin. Ugin. The printing of Ugin made Mud from an easy matchup into an extremely hard matchup just because that card blows you out of the water. Hmm. That uh, that kind of segues into the next question is, what are the top three cards that you're afraid of? Um... Presence uh, of the Master? <laughs> Presence yeah, of the Master. Well, well, okay, you okay. ever see that. <laughs> um... Probably Ugin. I straight up don't think I can win against a resolved Ugin. Like you, could, they just like tick him down and then do it again and then do it again. Um, Iona is pretty spooky. She she locks you out of the game pretty hard. I'm I'm what happy. They, what, they, what, they, what color? What did they green name? Green or white? Depends how far into the game we are. Um, I would probably name white, but because I can't remove her with green, I just like I'll just like throw out more enchantments. But it's conceivably possible that I could play Emrakul without at any point having touched white mana. Okay. Um, Alright. So that that's my out there. And she's a seven seven beater in the sky, like hell with that. Um uh I guess the last one would be Ad nauseum. Uh that card hurts me. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I, like I did it. not see that coming, but I, I get that. Well, I mean like all those other cards, all of the other cards, even Pernicious Deed, you can correct for. But the whole deck of Storm wants to kill me faster than I can do basically anything. Storm as, as Storm breaks the traditional rules of like, hey, I'm gonna have X mana on turn two, you know, and that's that's an extremely stra- powerful strategy against a deck that traditionally is bound to playing lands and enchantments. I'm trying to remember, Curtis. Did I ever play your Enchantress deck with ten fins? Yeah, you did. Uh, I don't want to talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, do you know what can't turn come down turn zero? Freaking rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I think you did. I think you did get that against me though when I had like a slow start, if I remember. Yeah, right. I, 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 I was think, trying to remember I, if I played against you with it or not. Adrian, we played twice. Once you killed me turn one, both games. And once <laughs> I put down rest in pieces against you, both games. And you're okay. like. Hey, I can't play this anymore! <laughs> Alright, that sounds about right. And I was just like, what is this deck that I am facing? I no longer want to be in the same planet as it. <laughs> okay. Um, and finally, I feel, Zoso, we're just going to honorary make this uh, question that we ask every guest on the show. Zoso wants to know, in Curtis, in a battle between myself and Patrick uh, for Legacy... Which of us would you put your money on, and why would that person be Pat? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> if you had a bet, if you had a so, bet to put money on either me or Patrick, who would it be? And as a follow-up question, why do you choose Pat? So, some, and, and, and Kurt, Curtis, some background enlightenment is, I believe, Pat is undefeated against Jerry. It's very he true. Is 2-0 <laughs> against me and refuses to play me again. <laughs> I feel like, given my experience with the esteemed hosts of this show, in the choice between Jerry and Patrick, I would put my money on Adrian, who is the titular master on Presence of the Master. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't really do anything against Delver. Uh, I am not Delver. I do not know this card of which you speak. <laughs> Good answer. I like it. I like would you, it. Would, would you play Pernicious? No, you wouldn't play Pernicious Deed and Enchantress, right? No, it, it would. It would eat. So, like, if you go over to Black, you get access to it, but it it kills you. Yeah, it does more harm to you than your opponent. It, 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 it blows you out of the water. Um, cause it, Actually, it, like, I get. It doesn't help you with fast combo decks. Do you play? Do you play Chalice of the Void at all? Um, I prefer Trinosphere, uh, because... Okay, okay, because you play your own one-drops, right? And, and, more to the, and, well, and more to the point, well, okay, so, Chalice doesn't slow me down that bad, because even if you set it on one, I can play through it, and the Enchantress effects only care about being cast, so... Yep. okay. Um, so that's fine. But, I find that I can easily make a turn to Trinosphere, because I have a ton of mana acceleration on turn one, between Green Zone Zenith for zero, while working mm-hmm. Utopia Sprawl, Okay. Um, but in addition, it does something if put off of show and tell. Right. Oh, Trinosphere, okay. You can put it in. Yeah, I was running in my sideboard, I was running a one of uh, Nether Void as a spicy target if my opponent cast show and tell. Which I, yeah, actually, that... I actually got to do. The opponent quickly uh, called the judge over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's some spicy, spicy meatball right there. <laughs> <laughs> Nether Void is like Trinosphere, but instead of it costing three or more to cast, it just counters it unless they pay three or more, uh, three which, extra. Which but makes honestly, a one, it, it makes a one drop cost four, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. And I was actually casting Delvers for four to win the game. <laughs> and furthermore, furthermore, I'm really, really into the idea of running an Enchantress list that has those because, A, you can pay for it. B, it's an enchantment, and C, um, if your stuff gets countered, that's fine. You, you don't care for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, if you ever need Curtis, we have access to four of them. We're probably <laughs> one of the few playgroups that can get a playset of Nether Voids together. This is what I like about the New England Legacy scene. It's like <laughs> it's like a wacky wealth of cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, very, very few people you could just go, hey, can I borrow this $200 card from Legends? <laughs> like, let alone a $200 Dual Land, a $200 card that very, very few people have even seen before. Like, <laughs> Nether Void, The Abyss, and Chains of Mephistopheles might as well just have Call a Judge printed on them. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah, that was, that was, oh man, I got to see the Chains of Mephistopheles um, Sylvan Library Nonbo in action. That was fun. <laughs> that was that was like watching the devil rise up out of the earth to grasp both players by the ankles and drag them down to the fucking purgatory. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, especially if you're like me and a masochist and run Chains of Mephistopheles and Sylvan Library in the same deck. Yeah, that's actually who it was. It wasn't you, but it was like a, a, a single Jund player who did that. And, and like, oh my god, why? I think it was against Brent. I think it was against Brent. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think Brent, I think Brent would remember it. Um, and that would make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, also, we've kind of touched on it a bunch throughout the recording, but we like to do a segment on the show called What the Hell Should I Play, where we look at a uh, di- different deck every week and kind of talk about its strengths, weaknesses, and uh, we pretty much covered almost all of the questions we usually ask for Enchantress, but one I did want to ask you is kind of what advice would you give to new players who may or may not be interested in maybe picking up this deck? Uh, my advice would be... My first advice would be you can cut a lot of corners in terms of the cost. Um, Caracas, the dual lands, they're not mandatory right out of the gates. Um, and you can you can kind of make, make do without them for a little while. What, when you're playing the deck... Um, just I, I've seen a bunch of different people play the deck, and each person plays it kind of differently. I obviously suggest, you know, put your enchantments, enchantresses on the field, play a bunch of enchantments into them, chain them so that you're casting your wild growth effects on untapped lands, so you get free mana. Um, but, like, aside from that, you're going to learn the deck at your own pace, and as long as you're as long as you're, you know, winning games and learning what the weaknesses of the deck are, you can do no wrong. I, I know plenty of people who play it as an aggressive combo deck, plenty of people who play it as a defensive, like, control deck, and people like me who have somewhere in between. Um, and I think all approaches are valid. So whatever you want to do with the deck, good luck, um, and beware combo. And Adrian. Yeah. Also, uh, touching on the costs a bit, what I really like about the deck is a lot of the quote-unquote money cards fall in that sweet spot of like 10 to $30 where yeah. a lot of people can't really just go out and splurge and drop $300 on a dual land. Right. Um, but you know, a lot more people can go out and they can drop, you know, an extra 20 bucks this week in order to pick up a piece of the deck. And yeah, so... uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a deck that I feel is not, I, I'm still surprised by this price that you pulled up, which I, I believe I'm looking at it. Um, it's just it it's just a, a lot of these cards were cheaper when I traded for them. Um, I, a lot of the cost comes from the fetch lands because you're running misty rainforests. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's and th- and again, like to anyone who's trying to pick up the deck, those are entirely there for um, dryad arbor and the Miri's guile um, to shuffle. Right. That's it. So I I got a, another question, Curtis. Besides besides a turn one. Forest wild growth, like what would be, if you were on the other side of the table, like what would be a turn one play that would make you acknowledge you're playing against Enchantress? Like turn forest. one, turn one, get a basic forest and green sun for Dryad Arbor. Would no, because that, because that could be elves. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't elves drop an elf? 
Not necessarily. No, they, I, okay. They'll do. They'll do the Dryad Arbor. Yeah, okay. I've played. I've played and, and lost to elves quite a few times. So you know, um, I don't know. I, so I what, what would a, what would a typical turn one play look like? It's it it would be a turn one uh, fetch land crack or just a friggin' forest into an and an, a wild growth utopia sprawl a um or a uh, miri skyle. Uh, any of those three are pretty revealing as enchantress because yeah, I was gonna say, one yeah, of those miri is either enchantress or like a green based delver player trying to be super cheeky. I saw it, I think, oh, I, I had a brisk discussion about some of these card choices with Jeremiah, and I think Amiri's Guile crept into his deck as a result. Um, uh, I know that Elephant Grass did, um, so you might get thrown off by that, but... I've, I've seen some Bug Delver lists run Amiri's Guile as a discounted Sylvan Library. Like, a, uh, it's a Sylvan Library that they can play cheap, so they can go, like, turn one, ponder, turn two, Amiri's Guile, Delver of Secrets... That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so it's it's just like because it's essentially a uh, you know kind of a, a pseudo brainstorm pseudo Sylvan library you get every turn. Yeah, it, it really is a pretty good card if you if you've got a density of threats. I don't know, I'm feeling it. Okay, whatever. I ain't gonna insult that. But uh, definitely, definitely leans towards Enchantress. I would say eighty to ninety percent yeah. says Enchantress. Yeah, I was gonna say. Wait a I was like, what is it? Scroll this back. Bug Delver running a single Miller's Guile, they're not going to get a basic for us. Yeah. <laughs> that is also true. Oh, a great sign that it's Enchantress is it's me, and I'm cackling and waving yeah. my hands. <laughs> if you see Curtis, everyone study study his face in the Star City Games photo. I look like, I look like a scrubby bum in a, in a hoodie 90% of the time, or I just got out of work and I look like a scrubby bum in a button-down. Yes. <laughs> you have a penchant for, ve- for vests. You like your sweater vests. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's winter time. I've got to look like an aging banker again. <laughs> an aging banker. Hey, hey, hey! Watch, watch your mouth. <laughs> oh, you actually are one of those. <laughs> it's funny because you're. Rich. I am an international investment banker, and I demand to be released. <laughs> uh, I know it's only one exploration. Yeah, it's not a card that you want more than one of in this particular list. You're not like lands where you're developing you, this is a land light deck ultimately it's got 19, 20 total lands um, and exploration is really just there to find as you start chaining off um, so you can play multiple Sarah Sanctums in a turn and shortcut the uh, the cast on Emrakul gotcha it's a, great, it's a great one of but a really bad multiples of and not a great card in your opening hand yeah it's not really acceleration so much as a combo piece Right, and sometimes sometimes I'll be wrong. Like sometimes you'll have like four card hand, three, uh, you know, one exploration, three, three, two like enchanted pieces, and like four lands, and that will actually get you out of day's range by turn two, which is incredible. But you know, unlikely. Okay, you guys want to do some scoops? Yeah, let's do some scoops. All right, wonderful. I would like to go first today. Um, I would like to scoop in Curtis for letting me borrow those two blood moons. Uh, they were extremely um, important in my wins. Uh, Hear that, that Celso? Hear that? Yeah, eat it, Celso. <laughs> it's better than Price of Progress. So, much appreciated, Curtis. Thank you very much for that. Hey! Um, <laughs> and I uh, also just want to scoop in all the uh, awesome people that we got to meet down um, at the uh, at the IQ, um, listeners of the podcast. It was just really cool to meet them. Um, uh, Phil and his, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Peter, rather, 
and his friend uh, came down, and uh, it was cool to meet those guys and just talk to them. And, uh, yeah, so scoop those guys into Top 8 as well. And then uh, scoop it in Jerry for convincing me to play Blood Moon over Crazy Progress. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you, Adrian? Scoop and Kyle. I was talking to him for a while last night. It's Andrew Wright. I'm still looking forward to uh, – I was talking to a couple of guys at the IQ, and, and they're pretty excited. Uh, Jerry, you missed it last week. I was telling uh, I was telling Pat that I was actually on a Skype call with Andrew down in Atlanta, and Team Tusk is going to start doing a podcast. Oh, very nice. And they're only talking eternal, so I'm I'm fucking excited to hear it. Oh, and uh, yeah, there, so there were a few guys down there talking to it at the IQ that are excited to hear it also. So uh, if you hear that, Andrew, get on it, dog on it. Um, what the hell else? Oh yeah, John Carmen. And, and his buddy Jeremy, and we made it up to the Brazilian Steakhouse, and Pat, because he's a fucking boss, <laughs> and and uh, and Curtis, congratulations, Chris Stitson, because he's a fucking, he's a cool guy to make mistakes against, like I was telling Pat earlier, I, so Chris Stitson ended up going into the top eight, seated first, and uh, I was telling Pat earlier that... I don't know if you remember this, Jerry. I was telling you about when I like was playing ten fins at the SCG and I cast brainstorm and started shuffling the deck, resolving it like a ponder. Okay. And I had to get like the head judge over, and I'm like, oh man, I fucked that up. It was actually against Chris Stitson, and like he started playing miracles after that. He's a really cool guy to play with. Um, and he came down with those with the guys from Maine. So yeah, so lots of lots of people. Uh, Ian, and again, you know, I got more comments from him and. Uh, Congratulations on his wedding, and that's that's. Congrats, that, Ian. Yeah, so uh, I think that's good for me for the moment. How about you can do Curtis last, or no, Jerry? No, we'll, we'll do Curtis. I'll, I'll I'll go last. No. Guess, oh, oh wait, oh wait, one more. To last. <laughs> I I do got one more. Uh, scoop into top eight to Celso. I think he's uh, right and awesome in Price of Progress. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Uh, Curtis, we, yeah, in case we didn't mention this, uh, we don't do shout-outs. We do scoops into top eight. So is there anyone you'd like to scoop into top eight tonight? Well, insofar as I couldn't do it at the event, I'd like to scoop in Sean Calvo for being just a really fun guy to play against, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Um, he was the guy on Grixis Delver who I played at the very last and ended up on the Grixis Pyromancer list that was 15th place on Sunday. So, you know, scoop him in. Uh, I would happily scoop in all of you guys for running a great podcast here and for being, you know, just steady standbys at Legacy every week. It's a lot of fun to play with you guys and definitely one of the, the magic communities I care most about. Um, scoop into my close friend, uh, Ben Gardner and my other friend, my other close friend, Levi Byrne, both of you, and Kate Donnelly, all the other people who Played at there, uh, Chris Canieso, who's uh, too hungover to play, and therefore I just certainly <laughs> skipped to the top eight. But his increasing rate of absence is directly correlated with my win, uh, my recent wins, so I can't really fault him. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's 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 about it. And you're supposed to also say Jerry, who is also too drunk to play. <laughs> hey, I played. I powered through. <laughs> did Jerry? I, 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 yeah, no, I bumped into you. You did look very unhappy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Uh, those bathrooms were filthy, too. They were disgusting. When you were done with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, visited them like, I visited them like three times in three rounds. 
Ugh. It was just, uh, uh, just absolutely destroyed. I didn't know there was a water fountain, and I was too cheap to buy water, so I drank out the faucet. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I, got, I got caught by one of, like, the pseudo-security guards because they were, like, roped off every other section of the DCU center, and I'm like, I'm going to go find another bathroom because this, this place is a cesspool. And he's like, what are you doing over here? I'm like, I'm trying to find a goddamn bathroom, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm going to puke into your potted plant over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, before I guess my, my scoop's in, I'm going to scoop in old-fashioned, uh, the whiskey drink, and also mint juleps, because I literally scooped to those two. <laughs> whiskey and mint juleps? Yeah, mint juleps. Oh, delicious. So, okay. so dangerous, and so, so delicious, and so very dangerous. <laughs> what is this, the Kentucky Derby? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, at one point, I like uh, the night before, I may have stood on a bar stool and screamed for my fancy hat. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is a true story. <laughs> We're off to the races, boys. Where's my fancy hat? <laughs> Christ. Um, well, we just found. Uh, I recommend for any of you who are 21 and in the Boston area. Uh, Firebrand Saints is an amazing, amazing bar in Kendall Square where they were playing. They had these TVs uh, on the walls on where one monitor was playing reruns of original Star Trek. And then every TV after that had the image played through a different algorithm and the algorithms kept changing. So right off the bat, it was like a pretty nerd bar. And then the bartender there, it's like there's nothing better than just a bartender who knows what the hell he's doing. And he was just like, he's one of those bartenders who are just like, I want a drink that has X, Y, and Z ingredients. What can you do for me? And he's like, oh, well, that's a A, B, and C drink. Here it is. And just puts it in front of you. That's so, awesome. Shout out to Dave, the bartender, because without him, I probably would have done a lot better at the, <laughs> at the uh, Star City Games. But it was well worth it. Uh, also want to, of course, scoop in Curtis after alcohol. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, Curtis, you know. Definitely a big reason why I play Legacy is in the fact that you reintroduced me to the format. So big thank you for that. I'm, I'm so flattered. I'm, I'm really, you know, it's it's always a pleasure to play with you. <laughs> Thanks, Curtis. Um, also, want to scoop in uh, Brent. Uh, Brent's a good buddy of mine. Plays in the Legacy area. He doesn't get to come out as much, but it was real cool talking to him. Always fun to hang out with him. And then. I know Brent. I'm just going to forget someone, so I'm just going to say collectively just the entire That's Entertainment uh, crew that came out at Star City Games Worcester because there was like 20 or 30 of them. It was awesome. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. That's, that's about all, folks. All right. Thanks for coming on, Curtis. It was good having you. Of course. Thanks for running a great podcast. Take care, guys. Thanks, Curtis. All right, Pat, play us out with some sweet, sweet jams.
done it again.